The first time I stepped foot in New York City, I was eight years old. Under ordinary circumstances, I despised loud noises. The shrill wail of a blender, the hoarse shriek of my mother's hairdryer, the frantic yodeling of a fire alarm. New York should have been no different. Taxicabs hurled chiding beeps, indignant buses sputtered, greasy-faced executives roared and spat into glinting phones, cars howled as they darted across chat pavement, coins clanged in chipping styrofoam cups, carts shuddered, seagulls jeered, steam drooled, tires rasped, and I was wonderstruck. I felt as if my own vivid personality was sewn into the Big Apple's colorful reality. In New York, I was not an outsider, but another vibrant thread in this coarsely textured masterpiece. I hummed as my energy, too, thrummed through the air. My heart thrusted and reared and frothed with warm blood, a stallion desperate to pound its cadence into the cacophonous rhythm of the city. Now, I know that New York City may seem like a strange choice for a podcast about climate change, the wilderness, and national parks, but in this city exploding with sensory information, teeming with unwritten poetry and hidden rhythms, one can find a similar sense of heart-tugging wonder, discover the same inexplicable, sublime, strange, and unforgettable secrets that so many of us seek out in traditional national parks. Many of the national parks nestled inside of the Big Apple are also grappling with the pernicious effects of climate change. We'll travel to one of New York City's lesser-known parks and explore climate change's strange and threatening relationship with this urban natural gem. I'll also discuss why climate change disproportionately affects New York City's communities of color. Stay tuned! Welcome to Governor's Island National Monument. Though this island is only a 10-minute ferry ride from Manhattan's southern tip, it's a stark contrast from the bustling Manhattan scene. In the late afternoon, the park is aflame with syrupy, languid sunlight, fermented and rotten in old age. Visitors are nuzzled by drunken summer breezes that are slurring and swollen with overripe light. The sky cradles flocks of slovenly clouds with wind-ruffled underbellies, and red-tailed hawks can be spotted soaring overhead. Still, one can easily locate the Manhattan skyline etched into the horizon just a short boat ride away. Although Governor's Island is rich with military history, its many environmental assets were what initially enticed four different nations to jockey for possession of the area in hopes of collecting financial benefit from its plentiful resources. Governor's Island is situated in New York Harbor, a location once replete with trade opportunities and a flourishing ecosystem. The Lenape and Dutch nations sought out the island's ecological wealth, while the British coveted the region for its strategic benefits, eventually obtaining the land for themselves in 1674. The end of the Revolutionary War thrust Governor's Island into the possession of our newly founded nation, and by 1794, the island boasted some of New York Harbor's largest military fortifications, Fort Jay and Castle Williams. These proved to be successful deterrents to the British Navy in the War of 1812, though the island's strategic capacity didn't end there, as it became a recreational destination for high-ranking soldiers. Decades later, throughout World War I and II, national recognition for the region's military benefits grew. 
Eventually, Governor's Island became the world's largest Coast Guard base until the island was retired from military use in 1996. Today, civilians can bike all over the monument on its serene coastal paths, check out the sleepy and slightly eerie historic buildings that were once part of the fort, and even stroll around inside the open-topped Castle Williams. The island also boasts some quirkier attractions, such as a plot of land that blurs the lines between junkyard and playground. The fenced-in area is crammed with rusty metal kitchen appliances, old truck tires, and a jungle gym made of cobbled-together duct tape and recycled plastic slides. Signs smeared with oily shadows and ancient fingerprints read kids only and play. The whole scene is slightly unnerving. Tourists looking for a more traditional playground experience can jog up a steep pathway to one of the island's high points and swing down to the base of the island at top speed via a serpentine steel slide. Visitors seeking a longer, more intimate stay with the island can even sleep the night outdoors in compact metal pods that afford a splendid view of the harbor. Governor's Island is reaching a new verse in its epic history, and with it comes a tragic and all-too-familiar refrain. Climate change poses an existential threat to this ecologically vulnerable gem. Though the arrival of climate change's effects on the island are unfortunate, they are certainly predictable. However, the National Monument also faces an unanticipated possibility— the development of a climate laboratory stationed on the island's southern half. Let me explain. Governor's Island is particularly vulnerable to climate change. Flash floods, more frequent and more extreme storms, and sea rise all jeopardize this historic monument. On top of that, New York and other rapidly expanding coastal urban areas face an unsettling paradox. Despite rising sea levels and increased flooding, desire for coastal development and housing is also growing. New York's plan is to take advantage of the fact that Governor's Island is essentially a microcosm of the rest of NYC and other waterfront cities. The Climate Lab would convert the island into a miniature but accurate reflection of climate change's future impact on coastal urban areas. Alicia Glenn, the head of the organization that manages the monument, said in an article for the New York Times that the island will become a, quote, living laboratory in how you deal with these issues in an urban context. The same New York Times article about the island also included a quote taken from the city's description of their plan for the island. The plan aims to remodel the park into a, quote, major center for climate adaptation research, commercialization, conversation, and policy making. The New York Times speculates that the plan for Governor's Island is an effort on the part of local governments to manage and preserve climate legislation, even as the Trump administration continues to undermine and slash climate protective measures. According to the article on the island's repurposing, the area can demonstrate how we can redesign infrastructure and housing so that it survives alongside elevated sea levels and diminishing coastlines. One of the project's experts suggested that this process could feature buildings that can easily be deconstructed and relocated, or even architecture built on stilts. 
The current racial discourse has brought climate change's disproportionate effects on communities of color into sharper focus, and New York City is guilty of the systemic racism that thrusts minorities deep into the most pernicious pockets of this climate catastrophe. Green spaces such as Central Park play an essential role in the maintenance of a healthy city, and not just because of their aesthetic benefits. Lush, green areas provide much-needed shade and protection from intensifying heat waves. However, low-income communities and communities of color have long been deprived of equitable access to green spaces, a phenomenon that stems from park designers and real estate investors' deliberate discrimination when zoning city space. In fact, racism lurks behind the creation of the beloved Central Park. The New York legislator, backed by wealthy white New Yorkers, set out to transform 775 acres of city land into green space, this land was home to the flourishing community of Seneca Village, a population composed mostly of European immigrants and African Americans. The city was well aware of the fact that they would face public criticism for liquidating such a thriving community. So, with the help of white-owned newspapers, they set out to tarnish and spread propaganda about Seneca Village. In 1963, the city snatched up the land as eminent domain and created Central Park on the stolen land, in an act of modern-day colonialism. Redlining is another racist real estate practice that factors heavily into the inaccessibility of green space for communities of color. Redlining was the strategy of zoning neighborhoods based on an arbitrary judgment of the area's investment risk. Often, communities of color would be classified as unreliable or dangerous for investments. Today, the communities that face the worst levels of heat exposure and lack of green space are the very same communities that were redlined and marked as risky decades ago. Liberty Island National Monument, the home of the cherished Statue of Liberty, is a tribute to the tenets that our country was built upon. A 305-foot-tall emerald green guarantee of liberty and justice for all. The 145-year-old statue has long served as a beacon of hope and a towering symbol of new opportunities, fresh beginnings, and acceptance for countless gem generations of immigrants. Yet, Liberty Island National Monument, along with Ellis Island, the famous port of entry for innumerable refugees, is facing an existential crisis. Increased storm surges, rising sea levels, and destructive flash floods caused by climate change pose a severe threat to these islands. And perhaps this situation is a fitting metaphor for the state of our country. More and more, the United States offers liberty and justice for some, but certainly not all. The cardinal values of our country, acceptance, cultivation of diversity, and an unalienable right to liberty are rapidly washing away in a flash flood of hatred and storm surges of bigotry. Just as our literal climate is changing, our political climate is changing as well. And if the current administration stays in office, it will perpetuate its sickening history of both climate denial and injustice dismissal. 
leading not only to the damage of these national monuments, but to the demolition of all that Lady Liberty stands for as well. The words inscribed on the Statue of Liberty carry a new meaning in today's political and social climate and in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests. The poem on the statue accurately describes those of us protesting injustice today. We are still the, quote, huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The coronavirus pandemic has spurred isolation in a city where it is impossible to be alone. But we cannot suffer injustice in solitude. We cannot let national parks like the Statue of Liberty wash away at the hands of climate change. And we cannot let our own liberty wash away at the hands of hatred. I end with the words of the youth climate marchers in Seattle protesting Trump's acts of climate dismissal. The oceans are rising. And so are we. Thanks for listening to Park Wake Up Call.